0: Welcome back to the Meaningful Success Podcast. My name is Josiah Clark, and I am Wade Clark. That is the name of my father as well. And that a medical coincidence. What a coincidence. Um, Something we've been doing lately is uh, celebrating our wins at the beginning of each week in our success journeys. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with what your win is this week, Dad?
1: Well, my win is almost kind of a hopeful win in in a sense. I was talking with a colleague today, and they are also in the process of starting a podcast, and they are also in the process of getting ready to publish a book and doing a lot of similar things that uh, we're doing. We're going to kind of get together and just talk. And, and kind of share notes and ideas, and hey, don't fall in this ditch type of kind of advice and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, just
0: like f- sort of collaborative uh, exchange of ideas, sort exactly. of thing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I was going to say a hopeful win versus a depressing win. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. No, I just mean that it's,
1: it's uh, the collaboration that has potential. Let's just put it that way.
0: Okay. Well, my weekly win is a little bit cheating. Do you know what this is, Dad? What we're recording right now? It is our 20th episode. You're kidding me. Episode 20. So that is my weekly win this week wow. is that we have uh, we have made it through 20 episodes of the podcast and we're getting more consistent and better at it over time. I think if we listen back to the earliest episodes compared to now, it's night and day.
1: Well, sure. And wow, in six episodes, it'll be like a half a year.
0: Yeah. yeah. The actual half year mark of the podcast is somewhere around next month at some point. So I'll have Okey to dokey. mention that one. When it happens, but 20 episodes. Wow, we have been talking lately about the topic of the creative journey, the creative process as it relates to our meaningful success journey. And uh, we started off by talking about the why of why you want to be creative and the why you want to make the sort of creative things that you want to, uh, whether that has to do with business ideas or you know, writing or music or any sort of creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last week we talked talked about how, and mostly we ended up focusing around like how to be creative in the first place, how to get ideas, how to preserve ideas and build off of them. And this topic of the how of the creative process, there's a whole lot more we can dig into. So continuing this little mini series we've got, dad, what are your continued thoughts on how? Well, this is kind
1: of a weird thing because this, this how is going to shift into to the what to. Yeah. Because when we talk about this, when we use the word creative process, that may throw some people off. They may be thinking creative process, meaning, oh, okay, so you're a songwriter, you're an artist, you're a writer, you're-
0: Restricting it to something artistic.
1: And it's not. I mean, creative is in everything. And we kind of touched on this on our last episode that, you know- Uber and Lyft and Amazon kind of put a creative twist to other things that already existed to make something new. I guess one of the things that I wanted to say is when we're talking about meaningful success in, in our journeys and the things that we're wanting to do, there's creativity embedded in so much. Yeah. So when you ask about how, I think that one of the things that I would like to continue on is how do you get started? with an idea. You got this German idea, the seed of an idea, this inspiration. Where do you go next?
0: Well, I think, you know, we touched on this, this at least the first piece last week, mm-hmm. talking about it's really important to record your ideas in some form, whether that's in writing or like a voice uh, recording of yourself or whatever you may use, if you can somehow preserve those thoughts. That way, you won't forget what you were trying to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. And the more ideas that you have written down or recorded in some way, the more resources you sort of have that can be mixed and matched together. So you might look at, oh, I had this idea for, as we were talking about last week, for something like an Amazon of like, oh, an online business with really fast shipping, right? Right. Well, you might have also had an idea for, oh, you know, what about this audiobook business, right? Mm -hmm. You know, as we know, like Amazon, Audible, like these are are under the same company. This Audible is part of Amazon. Kindle is part of Amazon. And so sometimes you can sort of bring other ideas into the umbrella of the larger thing.
1: Yeah, that Um, makes sense.
0: And sometimes those may be things that don't really seem like they would go together, but they just naturally do. I mean, after all, think about, for example, like Kindle and eBooks, like what is that essentially? It's essentially buying something online with really fast shipping, you know, in a way, hmm. in, in a sense, it's instantaneous delivery of a book. You true. Know? So true. it still kind of fits in with that business model and the original idea. Well, and I've read a lot
1: about songwriters, even though I'm not a good songwriter. I've always been intrigued by it. And some of the hits that are out there that people know... They actually started as two or even three separate songs. Someone had this chorus idea and it didn't really go anywhere. And then later they created this verse and, and they didn't yeah. know where to go. And then all of a sudden they realized, wait a minute, these two things match together. It's kind of like that old Reese's Peanut Butter Cup commercial where someone, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. No, you got peanut butter and my
0: chocolate. And then they realized, oh, these go, go well together. Yeah. So that's the first step. Recording your idea. Right. And... Are there other ways that you can kind of mix it together with something else to make it work better or to simply expand it? From your perspective, once you have decided on, hey, like this isn't just an idea anymore. This is something like there's a transition that happens. There's a transition that goes from this is an idea to this is something I'm acting on.
1: Yeah. And I think that that actually may be where we should park today because there is a point where you select. Or you make a decision that this is something that's not going to be just something that's recorded in my notebook. This is something I'm going to actually take action on.
0: So sort of identifying an actionable idea. It's a mixture, I think.
1: I think it's a mixture of identifying an actionable idea, an idea that has merit, that's worthy of investment. But I think it's also coming to a point where you're willing to take action. I think there's some kind of blend of the two that takes place.
0: So not just having a great idea and knowing it's good enough to work on and deciding to work on it, but then actually, you know, gathering the willpower to do so. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And starting to take those those steps. So, I mean,
1: I, I guess like with your writing, I mean, you had talked before about you were writing a book and you decided that it was just not the right time for it, uh, just in terms of the tone and other things. And you had some other ideas that were kind of just on a parking lot, if you would. Yeah, how did you decide? Like in this particular case, I think I think that pinstripe was was the idea that you selected from off the shelf. Yeah. So how did that become what you decided?
0: Um. Really, it was it was the next most developed idea that I had because I had that initial idea of the original book that you're talking about, Fall Forward. That you know, who knows if that'll ever actually come to fruition in any form. But mm-hmm. the version I was working on at the time. You know, it was pretty fleshed out in my head. Then when I decided this isn't it and I need to move on to something else, there was actually another story entirely that I was originally planning to move to. Mm-hmm. But I realized that that story had too many moving parts that I hadn't figured out yet. So I skipped over that one and it's like, well, I guess the one that's left is this weird business in thing. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that was it was a simple enough concept in my head that it was really easy to flesh out into something that had legs. That's interesting
1: because, you know, I remember in the past, you were always very intrigued by and impressed by like Tolkien. And one of the things that really captured your attention, particularly 10 years ago or so, was that he created this entire World. He had uh, races of people. He had countries. He had histories. He had languages. Right. He had all this stuff that he had created,
0: and the stories almost served the purpose of putting those things into action. Well, that's no. I mean, that's quite literally what it was. His whole his whole goal. I mean, you're really describing like 15 years ago or so. Okay. Okay. Is when I was working on on that other stuff. Basically, I had the impression, and I think a lot of uh, young authors did at the time, that in order to write something good, there's the whole idea of, you know, write about what you know. Okay. And so instead of interpreting that in the way it's really intended, which is sort of, you know, don't don't be a 14-year-old kid trying to write about what it's like to be a retired 70-year-old, right? (laughs) Like, yeah that's that's really what it's getting at. It's getting at right from your truth, right from your experience to the extent that you can. And what I interpreted that to mean was, okay, I need to literally know every single detail of this fantastical world I'm creating down to the different names of flowers and the year in which X or Y history happened. And it's not that that's not a good thing to do or valuable or anything like that. The mistake I made was was believing that that was a prerequisite because that's what Tolkien did, right? And that uh, was the that was the model I was uh basing things on. And hmm. really Tolkien wasn't trying to write a book. That was never the point. Tolkien was trying to create an entire mythology, an entire world and all of that really revolved around the original languages he was creating because he was a linguist first and foremost. So it doesn't even make sense to pursue things in that direction because that's not even what the man was trying to do. So this kind of goes back to a, a few podcasts ago
1: when you were talking about the platform that you were using was kind of encouraging writing multiple short things each week and but that doesn't serve your purpose because that's not how you're intending to write. Right. And so in Tolkien's case, by modeling after Tolkien, you were mismatching. His intent was not circled around the story, which is your heart. His intent was about the language and and the other things that he was creating. Yeah,
0: at at least initially. And so so that's why it was kind of fruitless to pursue things in that direction. And so I think the way that you can apply that beyond just this very specific Example anecdote about writing as a teenager is when you look at a successful business person or this entrepreneur or this company that startup that you really are inspired by the story of, and all those things, it is a mistake to try to model your journey after their journey. Mm. And the caveat there being, yes, you want to learn lessons from other people's mistakes, learn lessons from other people's stories, obviously. However, you are never going to replicate someone else's success journey it's just not going to happen mm. it's like the, and i i spent years and years chasing that on youtube which is this little microcosm of the issue but what i ended up doing was looking at people who had risen to success in a certain sphere in like you know 2012 yeah and then i was looking at those people in 2014 or 2015 and trying to do what they did in 2012 yeah in order to replicate that success well it's a different industry by that time.
1: Yes.
0: Trying to replicate the success they had three years earlier using the strategies they used three years earlier doesn't apply anymore. And I didn't understand that until well, years later. That's true. Because even what was
1: unique for them would be, even if all the conditions were ripe, like they were for them, which they're not, it is different market, different circumstances, different things. But even if all that was constant, the best you would would do is a, is mimic.
0: I think that's definitely a takeaway with all of that stuff. Yeah. You've got to pursue your own success journey in the way that works for you. And just as importantly, that works for you in, you know the date and time you're actually living in, not Mm -hmm. trying to model it after what somebody did 10, 15, 20 years ago.
1: Or in the case of Tolkien, much further back.
0: In the case of Tolkien, like 80 years ago at this point.
1: So when we look at where we're coming back to the heart of what we were talking about today, which is, okay, you've got these ideas, you've got these inspirations, and you're deciding to take action, and you're deciding, which am I going to take hold of and actually start working on? One of the things that you brought up earlier was it was a idea that was developed enough that you could kind of put your arms around it, but yet not so complicated that it would take you forever to kind of get started and get things moving.
0: And it also just grabbed me. And that's the other piece. Like there were other ideas that I probably could have made work. And again, none of this would have been possible if I didn't record ideas as I had them over years, literally.
1: Well, and I think that that, what you just brought up is is one of the things that I was going to emphasize is by recording it, by going back to it, by knowing that even when you write down another idea... You're yeah. seeing the ideas that were already on the page and it does cause, I mean, some of our most creative times are when we are not sitting down to create, you know, we're running, we're driving down the car, we're taking a shower, we're doing whatever, right. or literally we dream about it or we wake up and, and the idea comes to us or whatever. If we don't have a capture of those ideas, we're not going to be able to take those and put it because that's how it kind of, for at least for me, when I'm working on something, that's how a lot of my ideas come is I know something I'm creating or a tool or something I'm trying to communicate and I've got ideas and I may even have written those down or even started doing something. Yeah. But then I'm taking a shower, I'm walking or I'm doing whatever. And then this idea comes and, you know, again, recording it. It really is kind of a piece by piece by piece by piece, almost like Lego blocks kind of build out. Yeah. On this creativity.
0: We don't say that to repeat ourselves from last week so much as to emphasize what you're talking about, that these are things that build off of each other. Correct. If I hadn't had anything written down, then when fall forward fell off, I wouldn't have had anything to draw from. But because I had this resource that I could go back and go, okay, that's not working. What do I want to do instead? Because I want to write something. Okay, I've got this thing. I'll combine it with that. Okay, actually, I really like that. Let's mm-hmm. let's go forward. This has legs. Let's do it, right?
1: Well, and things evolve from sources outside of you. So I'll give you an example. I created a sales methodology really with the intention of helping people to understand kind of what do I do next on when I have this sales pursuit that I'm doing? How can I help my buyer make a better decision? That was the germ of it. And I had put yeah. that together. And then I had different circumstances in my business where I would speak on that or I'd train on that or whatever, and questions would come up to me. And, and you know, like the first one that I recall was someone going, you know, this is great when I have somebody who's actively looking for a solution, Yeah. but what about people who are not at that point yet? Very good question. And so over the course of literally more than a decade, in various circumstances, questions would arise or other things would surface that expanded upon that. I never intended to sit there and and create a whole sales methodology from start to finish, but it ended up being that way because of all these different things that came my way. Same holds true, but in a totally different context with meaningful success. I had a passion to understand strategy. I had a passion to understand success, yeah. to understand the nature of those things. And I spent time studying and I and I looked at things and I found inconsistencies. And I'm like, you know, not all these things are gelling. They're not all fitting together in the way that I would think. And so then I kind of think, well, I need to put together how I see this working. And that took place literally over 10, 15, 20 years where I was in various circumstances and more and more of those things took shape. That's not to say that you want to create, you're going to have to wait 10, 20 years to to do something. I'm just saying that there's all kinds of ways that creativity can surface and to allow that freedom for things to expand, for things to maybe even go a different direction than you originally planned.
0: So sort of bringing this back to the topic that we started with, because this... This kind of branched in different directions, but we started with the question, how do you know when you are ready to start on something, basically? like How do you recognize an actionable idea and how do you take that action to begin with? So when you talk about here's a methodology you created over 10, 15 years, here's a system of success that developed for 20 years. What was the moment that made you realize, oh, now it's at the point where I can actually do something? Thing with it okay. now's the point where I should write now the you know
1: it depends on the things that you're working on but for me like with meaningful success I knew for a long time that that was something that I wanted to write about I'd done a lot of speaking on it I'd worked with a lot of people on on those types of issues but I knew I wanted to put it into a book and some resources yeah it literally was one of those situations that each time I was thinking about it, I just knew it's not time yet. It was a gut feel, literally. Yeah. I just knew it wasn't time. And then literally, um, it was about at a point where I was ready to do it. And that's when um, we lost Anna, our daughter, a sister, due to cystic fibrosis. And for the next couple, two, three years, I just was not at a place that I could yeah do anything from that perspective. But literally one day... I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to start writing that book now. I think it's time. Mm-hmm. It just because this is an idea that is always going. It's kind of in the back of the channel, in the back of the mind. You're always thinking about it here and there. Yeah. And then I just knew now's the time because one of those pointers is you're thinking about it a lot. Yeah. When something is rising to the point where you're, it's coming forward in your thoughts both proactively, and actively that's one place. And then secondly, I had confirmation in a few different ways. And one of those ways was I was about to talk to mom about, hey, I think it's time. And I came into the bedroom one night and she goes, you know, I think it's time for you to write that book. And so there was a confirmation as well. And uh, so th- there's different ways. But I think that for me, one of the biggest ones, regardless of whether you're talking about writing or music or whatever, is it's at a point where You're thinking about it so much that you know there's a reason why it's coming to your thoughts so much. And for me, that's one of the reasons. So it sounds like we're kind of going around the same topic in different ways and different angles. But actually, that's kind of what we kind of anticipated because this is just a large topic, the creative
0: process. Well, and that's honestly not too far off of what the creative process is actually like. You know, (laughs) that's interesting. You you take pass after pass after pass after pass at something, even if it's just in your own head and eventually you're refining it and figuring out, it's like you said, you had developed part of a sales methodology, but then a question arises and then you're going back through it again with that question in mind. Right. So that's just how the nature of it is. Mm. That doesn't mean, and this is the piece where people can get stymied because they're like, oh well have i gone through it enough times have i filled all those holes have i bridged all those gaps have i you know fixed all those problems and the thing is you will literally never do that you will never fill every one of those holes you'll never fix every one of those problems and at some point you have to take a step forward
1: no absolutely and and i will say that you know it at- you know, even though I had those questions on the sales methodology and I'd done one piece of it, the core of it was literally me sitting in a room for two or three days saying, OK, how would I do this if I was going to put this together? Yeah. And so there was a point that I just literally sat down. And so the core of that idea came from that standpoint. And even the model that I use in the sales process um, came at that point. Now, what I will tell you is then I realized that I had flip-flopped some things in the model that I needed to change. Some of those things, I kind of self-edited, and then there's other things that came over time. But there comes a point in time you just have to take action. Yeah. So uh, we'll visit more on the creative process next time. But Josiah, I am curious. This week,
0: what was your weekly favorite? Oh, it's the weekly favorite. Uh, my weekly favorite uh, has to do with my writing. I have started the process of getting some artwork commissioned for my next book. There's uh, there's something about having a visual. That is inspiring to me and it helps me kind of solidify things. And I work with a a really great artist on commissioning some of those pieces. And what's really cool about that is he's a really great designer and he's really good at thinking about how different things might affect a costume, Hmm. right? So, oh, this character has this sort of personality. So what if their costume had this that kind of illustrates that, right? Gotcha. And what's happening as a result of that is this book that I'm working on has the costumes are actually an important piece for as much as I write about clothing in my fiction. I'm not a fashion designer by any means, and that's (laughs) just not how I think. And so seeing these things in visual and having these conversations with this artist are really helping me to make some creative decisions that'll come back as I'm actually writing this next book and so that's that's just a really cool process to go through so that's my Sweet. weekly favorite. Sweet. So what was your weekly my favorite? My weekly
1: favorite is that I'm now using a Oral-B electronic toothbrush, and it's really cool. I mean, it's, it sounds so strange, but it feels like you've gone to
0: the dentist office after I
1: brush my teeth <laughs> with this thing. So <laughs> that's kind of a weird who's weekly the, favorite. Who,
0: who's the parent company? Is Oral-B just? I mean, I don't know it's a brand, but I guess that's who. Who? I mean, it's the branding on the on yeah. that particular
1: model. But well, it was,
0: you know, Oral-B, whoever the parent company is, if you guys want to sponsor the show. Drop us a check with uh, quite a few zeros after the one. That'd be awesome. And we would be more than happy to uh, share the wonders of the Oral-B electric toothbrush. There you go makes my dad's teeth tingle <laughs> well thanks for listening everybody we'll see you in the next one please let us know what you think of the show now that we've hit 20 episodes what have been your favorite moments so far maybe we'll do some sort of a clip show or something on patreon in the future but until next week aloha that works for me sky. I see The Meaningful Success
1: Podcast is Josiah Clark and myself, Wade Clark. Uh, The music is by Daniel Gunderson, Brings Back the Feeling. And if you would like to participate in this as a community, we encourage you to to leave us a voicemail
0: uh, at speakpipe.msp. Speakpipe.com slash MSP. Excuse me. Yes. So close. Yet so far.